Hey everybody, I'm Van Gromico from InterNACHI. That's the International Association of Certified Home Inspectors. And we do InterNACHI webinars, and those are free and online, live, real-time, interactive. Sometimes I do a boring webinar, and sometimes we have an exciting webinar where I invite um, a presenter. And today we have a special guest, um, my buddy, Jim Crum. Jim Crum has um, been in the home inspection industry for many, many years. He's a certified professional inspector, he's a certified master inspector, and he has his own home inspection business, very successful multi-inspector group in Colorado. And uh, he also does um, coaching. He's a great master coach. So if you need help boosting your business and being successful with your home inspection business, he coaches other inspectors. He's been a chapter president uh, there's a local Denver chapter, a very successful big chapter president. And he also has a, another business where he trains inspectors, home inspectors and contractors and plumbers even on how to do sewer scope inspections. And sewer scope inspections uh, is an amazing ancillary service. It's also a standalone service, but for a home inspector, if you wanna increase your gross revenue, and add that profit margin um, while you're performing a home inspection. Um, it doesn't take an extra uh, um, three or four hours. It only adds on a bit more to your current scheduled home inspection in order to make a ton of cash. And that's why we're all in business. And how do you learn how to do sewer scope inspections from marketing to finding the right tools and cameras and being safe and clean? Um, you gotta find a master coach. You have to find an instructor, someone who's been through the school of hard knocks. So you do not have to learn on your own and make your own mistakes. Um, learn from the best. And we have one of the best, and that's Jim. Jim Crum, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Jim, I wanna thank you very much for helping us um, learn a little bit more about sewer scope inspections. And uh, anytime you're ready to go with your presentation, you can share your screen. And Jim's going to talk. How long are we going to talk about uh, sewer scope inspections? We're here about an hour. Okay, that sounds good for me. You can go longer if you want. We always have time for questions. And speaking of that, um, if you're attending the live webinar um, or if you're on Facebook, uh, we're going to do a little Facebook live here. Um, try to chat your questions. Um, there's, there's a little chat area. You can chat your questions. And uh, you can also confirm that everything's working. You can see me and Jim and listen and hear us, um, that'd be great, just to make sure the technology is working. Sometimes, you know, technology is great when it all works. And if it uh, freezes up on you or something like that, you can just refresh your screen or find that initial URL and click it again and join the, the Zoom meeting. And if you're watching this webinar on YouTube, um, today is Monday, May 4th, and we're doing a live interactive internet webinar with Jim Crum. So Jim, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I hope everybody can see me. Yep. That's what thank you saying. very much for coming today. Uh, training's kind of changed a little bit in the uh, the last couple of months with the COVID. Uh, you know, so we're going to start doing some of these webinars. You know, I look forward to the day we get to teach online or in person again. However, we do have online training available. I was telling Ben last week we had our biggest sign up day for the online sewer scope certification course. We had 34 students sign up in one day. So 
if it's something you're thinking about, guess what? Your competitors are doing it. So the sooner you start doing sewer scopes, the sooner you make more money. Like we say, sewer scope certified, make more money now. Literally, you can get your training, buy a camera, and make more money tomorrow. So let's get started. Okay, the financial rewards for a sewer scope. Ben kind of talked about time-wise, but depending on your area, we see guys getting between $100 and $300 for a sewer scope. On the coast, typically you get higher. You know, in Denver, we're kind of stuck at a 150 uh, because we have several companies that just do sewer scopes. Uh, I own CBHI, Colorado's Best Home Inspections. For years, I referred sewer scopes. You know, we referred an average of 300 a year. You know, I was losing basically 40 to $50,000 every year of gross revenue that I could have been keeping. So, you know, depending on if you're getting 100 or 300, you know, you can pick up an extra 30 to $90,000 a year. I know my wife, I know most people, they would be ecstatic to get that extra money. <laughs> By performing sewer scopes, here's a couple other things. You're gonna increase your inspection average fee. Me, we pretty much book out every week. We do as many inspections as we want. The only way we had besides ancillaries was to do more inspections. If we wanna make more money, you have to do more inspections. It's much easier, less drive time, less liability, to make more money per inspection and keep your number of inspections the same. You know, so by adding it, you're gonna increase your inspection fee. One thing I never banked on was, you're gonna sell more inspections because you are more of a one-stop shop. So we found we were picking up, you know, a couple of agents, which I've never really marketed agents, but they started to like to use us because they only had to have one appointment. And so you're gonna increase your total income or revenue. You know, always a good thing, you know, we're all in this business to make money. Speaking of that, timing equals money. You know, the big thing about sewer scopes, you're already at the house. You know, we do radon testing in Colorado, almost 100%. We do sewer scopes, almost 100%. I charge the same for a sewer scope as I do for a radon test. Our average, now that we've done a lot of them, our average sewer scope is about 15 minutes. To begin with, it was about 30. You know, once in a while, you'll have a tough one that putting on climbing gear, getting on the roof, things like that takes a little longer. But our average is down to 15 minutes. We get 150 bucks. My radon tests, my average pickup time is two hours. So when I do radon, I'm making $75 an hour. When I do a sewer scope, I'm making $600 an hour. I know which one I really like to do. So getting rid of that extra drive time, it's one of the most lucrative ancillary services you can find. I am, Ben mentioned, we have inspector mentoring and training. We started the mentoring program in 2016. I go to a lot of conventions. I do a lot of public speaking and I just, was inundated with people asking us to help them. So our focus is more on the little guy. 
I don't want to teach somebody who has 20 or 30 uh, inspectors. We have Micro, we have several other big companies that, that help them. I'm more on the guy that's started a company and he's struggling. He's not making money. You know, first thing I'm going to tell you to start doing sewer scopes. But, you know, that's where our focus is, is more the, the little guy, the one or two man operations. Currently, we've trained hundreds of inspectors how to properly and correctly perform a sewer scope. By doing it correctly, it becomes profitable. Ben kind of introduced me. I'm James Crum, known as Jim. I've owned Colorado's Best Home Inspections since 2005. Um, we're a multi-inspector firm. We started IM in 2016. I've been a certified master inspector uh, and instructor since 2006 and seven. Uh, past president, vice president, secretary of the Colorado chapter of Internashi. Um, really believe in giving back. You know, Internashi gave me my start. Right off the bat, I started going to chapter meetings and most of my quality education came from Internashi. So therefore, I think I need to give back to the Internashi members. You know, Ben and Nick gave me a great chance to become profitable. We want to give that to other people. Uh, I'm a residential instructor at uh, Internashi up at the House of, House of Horrors in Boulder. I also go to Florida once in a while. I'm a commercial property ins instructor. I'm also what's called NOT, or National Association of Wastewater Technicians, a certified septic inspector. If you're gonna do sewer scopes in a rural area, especially, I would suggest you get NOT certified. It's a two hour course. I do not do septic inspections. But when I'm in the rural areas, I'm gonna get a lot more questions about the septic system. And by having a certification, it, it enables me to answer those questions uh, in more of an authoritative position. I've personally performed over 5,000 inspections. It's quite a bit more than that, but we just kind of quit counting at that point. I'd like to kind of tell you my sewer scope story. I started my business in 05. I became, had three other inspectors for a while. During the recession, we cut back. In 2014, I was climbing a ladder, carrying another ladder, so I didn't have my three-point connection. I was getting ready to step on the garage roof so I could go on the main roof, and we had a gust of wind, and it blew me off the ladder. I was about 15 feet up. I landed on the concrete driveway, holding a ladder, herniated three discs in my back. At that point, life became kind of difficult. Spent a year and a half during doing uh, PT, chiropractic care, things like that. And I watched my business income fall. You know, I went from doing 440 inspections a year to 360. The lowest it got was 240. I just physically couldn't do the work anymore. <clears throat> so, I didn't want to close the business because it had been profitable for many years. So I hired an assistant, trained him to do the crawl spaces, the attics, the roofs, carry the ladders, do all of the lifting. Well, once he started to get some training, I had to pay him a little bit more. By having an assistant, I brought my income back to what it was pre-injury 
But for me, that was a loss because every year I had made about 20,000 more than the previous year. So then we had to figure out how we pay this guy. So, and actually make a, a you know, an increase in revenue. So we started looking at our numbers and that's where I found out I'd referred $42,000 worth of sewer scopes. So if I could keep that 42,000, that would pay for my, my employee to begin with. Of course, once he became a certified master inspector, he makes more than that, but the sewer scopes make a pretty big portion of, of what we're doing. So 2017, March, we decided we we're gonna add sewer scopes. My wife calls it the freak out zone. We spent a year where she thought I was gonna have a heart attack. Every problem that could happen did happen. I spent $18,000 on three different cameras that did not work for us. My third inspection, I flooded a camera. I had to pay somebody else to do our sewer scopes for two weeks. Thank God I had talked to him ahead of time, told him what I was doing, and he was willing to work with me. So you always have to have a backup plan. But two months into the, uh, the, the sewer scope business, I realized I didn't know what I was doing. I had taken a different online course that basically sold a camera and it didn't train me. It didn't show us. We teach 17 types of sewer lines. So while this was happening, I was teaching up at Internashi. So I was talking to Ben and it's like, we really need to get a quality course. And he says, well, why don't you chronicle and write down everything you go through this year. And then we could start building a course. And so that's really where our sewer scope course came through. It was like, if we can prevent you from having the problems I had, it's a success. So that's how this business, the sewer scope training all came to be. Yeah, the course objective, provide the training needed to enable home inspectors mainly. We also teach plumbers and a lot of septic guys to confidently, and that's the key right there, perform sewer scopes, underground pipe inspections. We also use the same camera to do perimeter drain systems. Sometimes people will pay us to do subsurface drains for the gutters. You know, you have to think out the box a little bit. I'm at the inspection, 150 bucks for a sewer scope. All of those extra lines we look at, whether it be the laundry, a gutter drain, perimeter drain, it's a hundred bucks a pop. So, you know, we might do sometimes three or four ancillary lines and make more money. So there's, there's a very good potential here to, to upsell. You know, we want to enable home inspectors and contractors to increase their income business revenue. And the big thing is, I don't want you to have the problems I had. You know, my wife was against us doing sewer scopes. I overrode her. And for the first nine months, she was adamant that I was making a mistake. I had already kicked in $18,000. I wasn't backing down. But now she might divorce me if I told her we weren't doing them because they're so profitable. I am, our sewer course will allow you to make more money with each inspection. 
we are selling sewer scopes on almost 100% of our inspections. Now, Denver, the real estate community was trained that you always recommend a sewer scope. We say, never say no to a sewer scope. Starts at about you know, 7,000, average sewer repair is 13,000 to replace a line. For 150 bucks, that is a huge return on their investment. The only time we really don't do sewer scopes is on condos. So if it's an apartment style condo, they're doing drywall to drywall, they don't own it. Most townhomes they own. A lot of times when we first started, we'd get somebody say, well, why do I need a sewer scope? It's a septic. It's like, well, you still have that same lateral sewer line. So we're gonna teach you how to properly perform a sewer scope. We're gonna help you avoid all those problems and pitfalls that I experienced. Okay, kind of getting into the meat here. A sewer scope, and this is where your contract comes in. You know, you're not looking at every ancillary line. Would you agree to with a sewer scope? It's a video inspection of the lateral sewer line from the house at or near the foundation to the city HOA tap or the septic tank. The purpose of a sewer scope is to discover and report the defects that were visible in the lateral sewer line. Usually you're gonna identify the type of line material also, but your contract's not gonna say that. There is a couple of lines that if they're really dirty, it's hard to tell. Sometimes you can't tell because you're underwater. So that's not what your purpose is. Your purpose is to point out the defects. The lateral sewer line is the privately owned line connects the house or the property to the publicly owned main line HOA tap or septic tank. Now we're not plumbers, but when you're stepping into the sewer scope business, a lot of who's gonna look at your video or your report are plumbers. So you wanna use the right terminology. Plumbing codes identify the lateral or exterior sewer line as a building sewer. Anything inside the foundation is a building drain. Anything outside the foundation is a building sewer. So you wanna make sure you use the right wording. It's typically the responsibility of the property owner to maintain and repair that lateral line. Now, in some states, you own to the sidewalk or you own to the road. Most states or most jurisdictions, you own that whole line until it hits the city tap. It's not uncommon for that city tap to be under an asphalt road. Only certain companies are permitted to actually do a road cut. You know, a tap typically is about 10 grand just to fix the tap. So, um, you know, it can be a very expensive repair. Plumbing codes. Plumbing is identified as the installation, repair, service, or maintenance of a fixture, an ap aperturance, an appliance, or piping. So, <clears throat> if you're doing any kind of repairs, modifications, things like that to a sewer or a waistline, you're supposed to be a plumber. Now, there's some variances if you own the house, things like that. But if you're doing it for profit, you can't just decide you're gonna be a plumber one day. Okay, where we bring this up is toilets. When we were referring sewer scopes, a lot of times the sewer scope technician would pull a toilet. 
the first companies we started referring, they had a master plumber work for them. So legally they could pull a toilet. A lot of the other companies just started doing pulling toilets because the first company was. Well, every toilet manufacturer that I've looked at recommends or requires you to replace the wax seal. That is considered maintenance. Therefore, you need to be a plumber. So we do not recommend pulling toilets. The other thing is when we had referred out our sewer scopes, that was the number one complaint that I got. People would call and say, now the toilet's not straight. Uh, we actually sold a house years ago that they did a sewer scope and pulled the toilet and the toilet was caulked at the base, which most are. We like to see an inch open on the back. He actually broke my toilet. So we came home to a broken toilet. Now that comes to the third one here. If you choose to pull toilets, get written permission from the current homeowner. It used to drive me nuts when they would ask the buyer, do I have permission to pull this toilet? Sure, I don't own the house. Why would you pull a toilet if you didn't have permission from the person who owns the house? The, the selling agent, at least, but the buyer's agent or the buyer, they shouldn't be able to give you permission to dismantle somebody's house. So if you have a contractor's license or a plumber's license, and you want to do that, I would get permission. Plumbing code 708.9 says access shall be provided to all cleanups. We actually send out a seller's notice. It goes to the buyer's agent. We hope they send it to the seller. It says that we will not be pulling toilets. It refers to this plumbing code that access shall be provided to all cleanouts. Please make sure they are accessible. If cleanouts are not accessible, with client's permission, we will attempt to go from the roof. Usually we can get through the roof, but once in a while you can't. I'm not giving you your money back. You had the chance to not have me do it and I ask you to get cleanouts available. So I don't want a refund money. Once I get it, I want to keep it. I'm a for-profit business. So we're doing sewer scopes to make money. I don't want to spend a half hour trying to do a sewer scope and having to give your money back. So by sending out this notice ahead of time, we cover those bases. As a sewer scope is a visual observation of the plumbing system, Lateral sewer line, no modifications or repairs are performed. In other words, do not pour the toilet. Most jurisdictions don't require the sewer scope inspector to be a plumber. Up until recently, Texas was arguing this. Within the last month, their inspector general overruled the plumbing board and now home inspectors in Texas can do sewer scopes. That was the last big hurdle state we had. Florida backed down a couple years ago. So I go around once a year with my home inspection business and talk to the big municipalities. I go in and talk to their, their code enforcement. Typically there's somebody at the desk that can answer a lot of your questions. Every jurisdiction I've talked to has told me I cannot pull toilets, but if I don't pull toilets, I'm fine. So, uh, Check with your people, but you're going to find they don't want you pulling the toilet. That said, you need a camera, Mike, that will go through 
a one and a half inch line. It'll go through a two inch clean out or two inch line. It'll go through a three and a four inch line. So we want to make sure that you buy the right camera. We're going to talk about cameras a little bit later, but uh, you know, that's what sets us apart. As a home inspector, since we can't pull toilets, we need to have options. Otherwise, you know, if I needed a three inch clean out, I would probably have to give money back about half the time. Our course, the outline, however you want, whatever you want to call it, we're going to start out with lateral sewer line material identification. We cover 17 types of, of lines. We start out with an SDR 35, green pipe. Then we go to SDR 21 and 26. They look identical, just a little bit different thickness. We go into PVC, ABS, clay, and cast iron. Those are the most common sewer lines out there. However, in the first six months, we saw 16 types of lines. So we cover cement. We cover asbestos cement, commonly known as transite, although that's only when it's manville. There's a fiber conduit. A lot of people call it orange bird. HDPE. It's a plastic. This table is made out of HDPE. But HDPE is used during pipe burst a lot. SIP, cured in place pipe. It's a fiberglass epoxy resin. ADS, this is something that as a septic inspector you see quite often. It's called advanced drainage systems. They use it for leach fields. It was approved in 09 for re residential sewers. So we're starting to see ADS in our sewer scopes, more in the rural areas. But, you know, you jump into it, it kind of looks like a corrugated pipe. It's like, well, you need to know what that is. We need to cover this in our course. We're gonna, we cover thin wall PVC. Now there's two types. There's white thin wall, interior use only. And there was a product called Genova 1120. If you look at the side of it, it's kind of an ivory color. It's a thin wall pipe. It says schedule 40 though, but it's not. So what happens is more, we see it in resort areas, out east, a lot of the, the lake areas, but it was a cheap pipe. It wasn't supposed to be buried, but they did. And so what happens is the soil collapses. So when we jump in and we see a, an ivory pipe and it says Genova, typically we also find leaks because all of the fittings were proprietary. So people would put a PVC fitting on and it leaked. We cover galvanized lead, copper, and stainless steel. Now some of you may never run into stainless steel. It was used at the start of Vietnam. All the copper was being turned into shells. So we have a couple of areas in Colorado where we see stainless for about four or five years. So it is one of the most uh, common questions I get. Somebody will jump into a house, they'll see all this stainless steel piping and it looks like exhaust pipe and they don't know what it is. So we want to cover all of that. We have pictures of interior, exterior, and then we have short videos of each type of sewer line. That way you can put the name to the, the, the visual. Then we jump into the common defects. We're gonna cover bellies, offsets, roots, 
things like that, photos, videos of all the defects. Components of a sewer system, whether it be a septic system, a residential sewer system, we go all the way into uh, combined sewers, which combine a storm sewer and a residential sewer. If you live along the coastal areas or along the Mississippi, uh, Delaware, some of the big riverways, uh, you may be in a city that has a common sewer. A lot of the older cities have them. Then we jump into sewer scope protocol and advice. I don't want you learning how to do a sewer scope on your own. That's what I had to do. It's a tough way to learn. We're going to walk you through from getting to the house, estimating how long the sewer line is. Why do you want to know how long the sewer line is ahead of time? Because sometimes you'll get to something that looks like a tap and it's not the tap. It's an old repair. It's a transition from an old neighborhood line. So if you think the line's going to be 90 feet and you come to something at 60 feet that looks like a tap, it's not the tap. Also, if you get kind of stuck at 80, you know you only have to go to 90. You know what? If you flush the toilet, typically you'll catch 12 feet because it'll drag your camera along. So I can flush the toilet and I get to the tap. Your goal is always to get to the tap. Then we're going to cover report content. When you take the course, there's actually a, uh, three files that you can download at the end. One of them is all the verbiage for the report. So it has the defects already written down. It has the uh, recommendations, all that kind of stuff. Again, we don't want you to have to create the wheel. It's already been done. We're gonna cover camera access. We talked about the different one and a half, two inch, three inch and four inch uh, pipes. How can we go to them? Mike. We have a laundry in the trailer. If you guys haven't figured it out, I'm actually in our training trailer. We tow this around to the conventions. We bring it to Internashi. We have a 70 foot long sewer line, active line in this. We have roof vents so you can learn how to go through a roof stack. We have a laundry over here so you can learn how to go through the laundry. We wanna make it as realistic as possible because we don't pull toilets we have to be a little flexible. How can we get in? Remember, I don't want to give you your money back. I've already got it. I worked really hard to sell this job where my office did. The last thing I want to do is give you your money back. In the last three years, we've had two sewers we could not access. That's it. So almost 100% by having the right camera and knowing your options, you can do it. Then we're going to jump into camera systems. Most of the cameras that are sold in the U.S. were designed for plumbers. Remember, a plumber can pull a toilet. So they have a lot of two-inch cameras. Two-inch camera is great, except for I can't go through a two-inch line. I can't go through a one-and-a-half-inch line. For me, a two-inch camera is going to leave me short about half the time. So I'm not going to make the money I want to make. So we're going to talk about the different camera systems. Uh, we're going to do a little brief part of that a little bit later today. <clears throat> uh, then we go into the, the class goes into 18 narrated actual sewer line videos. So you can see what clay looks like, what transite looks like, what concrete looks like. And remember, we went back to defects. Part of the identification, each line has their own unique set of defects. A cement line or concrete line will only crack circumferable. A transite or a clay line will track laterally and circumferably. 
So sometimes you can use the type of line to know what kind of defect you're going to find. And sometimes you can use defects to help you identify the type of line. And then we finish up with sewer line repair techniques. I don't typically tell them how to fix it, but I do have to talk to my clients and tell them what some of the options. So instructions for the course. Starts out with an introduction, then it goes to the identification section. Then you do protocol repair, watch the videos. The next part's really, really critical. If you do the course once and take the test, you will probably fail. We have a 68% fail rate with people watching the class once. You can watch the course three times, which I recommend. When we have people watch the course twice, the entire course, the success rate is over 90%. There's a lot of information in, in the course and you can't remember it all on your first shot. So watch it over. It's gonna take eight and a half hours to do it once. It's gonna take 16 to 20 to do it twice. You're investing in your future. Take advantage of it. You're paying for it. When you take the test, then you get to download the PowerPoint of the whole PDF, or a PDF of the PowerPoint, sorry. So you have this all for your, your reference. On my website, you can download an identification guide. When you come to the in-person class that unfortunately is on hold due to the COVID virus, I hand these out in a laminated version. You can take it off my website. There's 17 types of sewer line in there, the years they're used, what they look like. So when you're in your pipe for the first time, you can compare the picture to the video. That way you know what you're looking at. You can download the report verbiage and then you can print your certificate. This is good for eight hours of continuing credit. Now, I'm just gonna show you clay here. This is from our course, but clay, every area of the country use clay. So 50s to 80s, it's probably the most common lateral sewer line out there. It's gonna be orange, tan, reddish. Denver actually had a, a, a clay that was white. So the color can vary a lot. The joints are every two to six feet. That's really, really critical because a lot of times you look at the length of the joint and that eliminates half of your sewer pipes. There's a product called Orange Burr or the fiber conduit. It was only available in five to eight foot lengths. It's one of the most misidentified pipes out there. Somebody will send me a video and it's like, oh, I think I have Orange Burr and it's, you're, their joints are at 10 feet. It's like, it cannot be orange burr. It's dirty ABS. So you can use that to figure out what type of pipe you're in. The next line, four inch pipe, we tell you how thick each pipe is. That's really, really critical because you can use that for your offsets and determine how big that offset is. If I'm seeing the whole pipe with a little mortar, I'm over 11 16 Life expectancy 100 plus years, Yes and no, uh, you know, every area is a little different, but the roots can take it out quicker than that. You know, it was used mid 1800s to the 1980s with mortar joints. Out east, you'll still see a brand new construction with uh, gaskets. So sewer scopes, just like home inspections are regional. Some of this information will apply to your region because you're gonna see a lot of it. Like when I teach in Florida, it's all ABS. 
Some places you go, it's all PVC. You know, Colorado, we see a lot of everything. Okay, this is the gasket at joints. So a lot of people will never ever see this pipe. They'll see this pipe here. And this is one from Denver that has the white clay. When you're going into this pipe, it looks almost identical to Translate. On the inside, this is what it looks like. Now clay, if you look at the sides, will be smoother. It might have some buildup, but the pipe itself is smooth. It's a fired clay. You're looking at that offset in front of us. We know it's an 11 pipe. I'm not seeing that we have a little water, but I'm not seeing the bottom of that pipe. So that offset's probably close to a half inch. Common defects to clay, offsets, root infiltration. Now let's just go back to offsets a second. When you look at this pipe, you can see that bell. The other pipe slips into that bell. So there is no way to have an offset without having a cracked pipe, unless it's a separation. If the pipe is pulled apart, then you could offset. But normally what we see is soil pressures cause it to move. Well, that bell gets broken. You can't always see that crack. You know it's there though. So that's the problem with offsets. It has broken a pipe. Root infiltration. There's a misunderstanding out there about roots. Roots do not cause the problem. Trees are opportunists. There has to be a leak. If we don't have a leaking pipe, you will not have roots. So people say, well, just clean the roots. That's maintenance. No, your, your sewer line is not allowed to leak. So when we see roots, my recommendation is the line should be repaired or replaced. Half the time they're gonna keep cleaning it. But remember, sooner or later, those roots are gonna win and it's gonna need a new line. I want my clients to hear that from me first so they don't call me in two years and ask me how I'm gonna pay for a sewer line. Clay will crack laterally or lengthwise and circumferally. Like I say, a lot of times we're gonna have a, a circumferal crack at that bell. You just won't always see it. It can break. It can get crushed. If you drop it, it's going to break. It's very brittle. The mortar joints have a tendency to leak. Remember, the leak is what brings the roots in, not the other way around. This house you're going to look at here. It's a 1950 build date. No counter. Okay. I'm going to recommend that you buy a camera with a counter. But my first camera, the counter broke regularly. So what happens? Can't tell how far the cable is. I mark all of my cameras at 25 feet, at 50 feet, at 75 feet. You'd be amazed that electrical tape will last for four or 500 inspections. So we just bought different color of electrical tape and we use one color at 25, one at 50, one at 75. If you push and you hit 75, you can count your pushes and you can know how far you are. So even if you don't have a counter that's working, you can still be really, really close to where it was. <clears throat> Roots and offsets in this, the line looks to be cleaned recently. Now that's something you're gonna put in your report a lot. And the reason is we're home inspectors. 
I don't do sewer scope standalone. I don't want somebody calling and saying, my sewer's backed up, can you tell me why? That's a dirty, nasty job. What happens for us is, hey, I'm selling my house, my sewer backed up, my toilet won't flush, I'm gonna call a plumber to get this line cleaned, and then we're gonna do the sewer scope the next week. So a lot of times, we're gonna see where a line looks like it's just been cleaned. Well, your report should say the line looks to have been cleaned recently, inquire with sellers to frequency. Because if they're cleaning that line every six months, it needs a line today. If they're cleaning that line every couple of years, you could probably buy some time. Multiple cracks were visible. There's a crack at the city main. Remember I said we always, always, always want to get to that city main. This crack is actually in the city main's line. However, the city said that their line moved and caused the crack in the city line. So the homeowner was required to repair the city's main. It was 16 feet down under a road, so it was an expensive line. So whenever you see a problem at the city main, you always call out for a city tap inspection. And that's when the city will go look at it. And the property can't be sold if, they, if they're red tag it. It has to be fixed before real estate transaction. So here, you can see we're on the roof. We go from the roof a lot. It's a nice, clean way to go. And in Colorado, our weather's pretty nice. But it's just gonna be a short video. So we're gonna drop through the stack. Now, it's a good idea to pour some water down. There's a bird's nest. So when you're pushing down, a lot of times your camera is gonna get dirty. So it's all fuzzy and foggy. You're running water when you're pushing. So as you come down, you're gonna hit water. Your camera's gonna clean out. And when you retrieve your camera, it comes back much cleaner because everything falls off. So here we're running into our water. So we're in a cast iron going down. You can see how clean it is right there. We were going down a stack that had some rust as we turn the corner. Now, this tells me they weren't cleaning it from the roof. They were cleaning it from this. It's about 15 inches in, tells me they were cleaning it from the toilet. So somebody's been removing the toilet to clean this line. So you wanna make sure you put in your report, it was clean. Now, a lot of times when they clean, they use a two inch cleaner. So it still leaves a lot. It's like coming in here, we're leaving the building drain and going into the building sewer. You can see they ran a little cleaner, cut a hole in it, so now the sewer's flowing, but they didn't get all the roots. We always recommend hydrojetting. With the hydrojets, they have a camera built in so they can actually sit there and see that they got all the roots. So I'm not a fan of blade cleaning. A lot of times it leaves a lot, or with plastic, it destroys the line. So you can see here again, you poked a little hole through it. It's working now. That offset right there, a lot of times, depending on your camera, any offset a half inch will stop a lot of cameras. We're gonna kind of point out some skids and some differences here that allow us to get through. Uh, but understand, if you have a two inch camera with a stiff spring, you're done right there. Now you can see the roots. We're running water. We run the water as low as we can to get out. What happens is a lot of times, if you're running just a little water, it'll disappear. 
you've just proven those joints are leaking. So that's what you're trying to do. It's we're, we're giving them a real, you know, scenario of what's wrong with their line. It's leaking water. Of course, you're going to get roots. That joint looks pretty good right there. A little buildup on the top. See right here, they poked a tiny little hole through this one. It's flowing today. Now, when you go through roots like that, understand your cable's going to start getting a lot of friction. So it's going to become harder and harder to push. So as you get out 80, 100, 120 feet, and you've been going through a lot of roots or through a lot of cast iron, you need a camera with a thicker cable. We're gonna talk about that. But sometimes when you get out this far, there's a crack right there. Um, you're gonna to have to flush the toilet or turn up more water to help drag your camera along. That water lubricates, gets rid of some friction, but if you flush the toilet, it'll also pull your camera so you can ride the wave out. So it started to become a pretty hard push. Okay. And Mike is here also, and Mike is co-owner of IM, and he also helps me with teaching. So he's answering any questions you have right now so I can keep talking. So uh, you get to hear me, but Mike's answering your questions. We will always answer your questions, whether you're a student or not. That's part of giving back. International gave to me, we give to you. So there's the roots right there. Again, you can see it just kind of poked a hole through it. That one's going to make it hard to push. Your camera is going to drag on that. The other thing about roots is they collect grease. So a lot of times when you're pushing through roots, your video quality gets poorer and poorer. Now you can see we're kind of pushing hard. Normally, we push nine inches. We'll discuss later why that is, and there's reasons for it. But if you're riding the wave, I know this line is 120 feet. I'm at 100 feet. I need to flush my toilet once or twice. That's part of that estimating how long your line is. So if I can get and ride a wave out there, I might get out in one flush. It might take me two, but my goal is to get to the tap. But when you get to the tap, you're gonna turn the water off. We turn the water off and flush the toilet. That helped clean the camera. Now, if you have grease on your camera, what I found the best thing to clean it with is drop it into the city main. That caustic sewage, hydrochloric acid, it helps clean that grease off. Kind of sounds hard to believe, but it does. Now this tap right here, you can see there's a crack in that city line. The seller was required to fix that crack. Now we're gonna talk about camera skids. This is a ball style skid. This here is a torpedo style skid. This one here will get stuck much more often. The torpedo style skid, it's a smooth. I will go into a city tap with a torpedo skid. With this, I will not because there's a ledge there. If I get stuck pushing in, that's one thing. If I get stuck coming out, my camera's gone. So you always want this style skid. Defects we're gonna look for. Belly, sags, low spots. Typically a belly will hold water. 
we break down holding water and debris or just holding water. There is what's called a one inch rule. Plumbing, the technical or typical uh, repair is if it's holding an inch of water. Now, if it's holding an inch of water at 10 feet, it better get repaired because what's going to happen, the grease, toilet paper, everything's going to stick. If it's holding an inch of water out at 80 or 90 feet, well, you're going to have velocity that's going to help clean that line. I'm still going to recommend it get repaired, but I'm going to tell my clients, you know, if you're careful, you could probably get away with this one. But if I have a basement bathroom and it's right outside the house, that one inch is going to, going to cause a problem. Compressed or crushed lines. If this is cast iron and you get a crushed line, when you come to it, you have done your job. You have pointed out a major defect. Do not try to force through a crushed cast iron line. You will lose your camera head. I don't worry about going through offsets, things, roots, any of that stuff with a torpedo skid. But a broken, jagged cast iron line will bite you. <clears throat> root intrusion. We're going to see a lot of that. Remember, the roots are there because of a leak. Joints, offsets, broken joints. Anytime there's an offset, the joint's broken. If it's in clay, cast iron, cement. You can have an offset with plastic if they use a rubber fern coat. And the fern coat is still stable. It's still holding. I still put that offset in the report because if somebody goes in with plastic line with a metal blade cleaner, they're gonna peel it like an orange. They're gonna destroy that line. Heaved lines, a lot of times we'll have on a plastic line where a root will lift it. And so you'll actually feel you're going uphill. Some cameras give you an angle, but as you're pushing, it's amazing what you can feel. Corrosion, rust scale, blockage, grease. Grease is nasty. That's the only time you really have to clean your line is if you go through a greasy uh, line, your camera's gonna come out nasty. And then you're gonna have to rinse it off. Everything else, if you do it right, it's a pretty clean job. There's no way to make grease clean. And then construction debris. You're doing a flip or even a new construction. We had a new construction the other day that the line was 100% plugged. We were pushing debris as we went through. The workers flushed their lunch bags. I mean, they just flushed all this sort of garbage down there. Uh, with flips, we've seen where they poured or they cleaned the grout when they did tile. And basically the line's full of concrete. A hydrojetter can clean that. As long as he can get to it, they can clean it. It might take a long time, but it's doable. Sometimes you'll see where the kids drop rocks down it. And depending on the side of the rocks, they may be able to jet it out, or they may have to dig it up. So you never know until you do it what you're going to find. This line here, it's that fiber conduit or orange brick, but we're just going to come back. I just wanted to show you a little something. It looks a lot like ABS. Where you can tell is a curve, a joint. It looks a little bit different there. I call them kind of like figure eights. Uh, if you look at, and when you come to the in-person class, we actually pass around Orangeburg, things like that, so you can see what it is. But the 90s and the 45s, they have unique look, and that's what it looks like. So if you see that, it's not ABS. If somebody's been cleaning the plastic, you can see scroll marks on it, but they don't look the same. Once you see it, you'll know what it is. 
Transite asbestos. This is a little short training video we have. Now, transite and concrete are both cement pipes. They can be connected directly together. You cannot connect clay to cement or transite without a firm coat. But you can connect these together with mortar. Manville used a rubber band system that you didn't hook cement and concrete together. What? If you wanted to use the mortar joints, you could. So a lot of times we'll see transite and concrete in the same house. Now this here, if you look, it looks a lot like clay, but if you look to the sides, it's rougher. Your camera's gonna jiggle a little bit more, but it's not as smooth on the sidewalls, like where the water hits, like, a, like the river side. It's not as smooth. If it's really deteriorated, there'll be a lot of spalling here but usually it's just a little bit rough. So that's your indication it's not clay, but maybe transite. Transite is probably the most misidentified line. Right there, there's a pretty good offset that was leaking. Now see what we did. We just jumped into concrete. It looks like the side of a river. You're gonna see the sand and the gravel. So they're both cement pipes. If you called this a cement line, you would be correct. Remember, your job isn't to identify the type of line, it's to identify the defects. But usually with the, the proper training, within 10 feet, you can tell me what type of sewer line you're in. So cameras, now let's talk about cameras. At a minimum, this is what I consider a minimum, then we're gonna go into some things that I recommend. Inch and a quarter to an inch and a half inch camera head. This one here, is an inch and three eighths. That will allow you to go into a one and a half inch line, not a clean out, but a, like a roof stack. A two inch clean out, two inch line, three and a four inch line. If you have a two inch camera, you need a three or a four inch line. A lot of guys are trying to buy a little cameras like this to start out with. You look at this cable, you look at that cable. You can understand why these break so easily. There's a reason they're cheap. 140 foot cable. Now, if you're down south, all slabs, you might get by with a 100 foot cable. I live in Colorado. My average length scope is 112 feet. That has not changed from our first month in business. That just is what it is. We have crawl spaces. We have Basements, I need a 140 foot cable minimum. We also have a 200 foot camera that we get out about once a month. Built in counter. Remember what I said though, mark your cable in case your counter fails. A built in sod, a sod is the transmitter. On this one here, you can see there's a little oval around ball. So when you do a locate, you're actually finding this, not this. But that is what your camera transmits. Most locators only look for 512. It's the frequency. There's also 874, which I like a lot when a camera will do that because it takes some of the interference out of like electrical things like that. Everybody uses 512. I like it a little bit. Now, understand when you're doing a locate, there is no frequency that will go more than 15 feet through cast iron. So if you're doing cast iron in a yard, 
lot of times you can find it, you can't tell how deep it is. That's because it's over 15 feet. Battery operated. I don't want to pull an electrical cable up on the roof. I don't think that's a good idea. USB, SD card, some type of recording, Wi-Fi option. We like the Wi-Fi as a wow factor. Uh, is the, I don't use it for business. What I use it for, we don't let our clients on our ladders. So if we're doing a, a sewer scope from the roof, we'll drop an iPad on the dining room table, turn the Wi-Fi on, and our clients can actually watch the sewer scope in real time and not be there. So it works out really, really nice for that. Under 45 pounds. Remember I said I got blown off a ladder by not having a three-point connection. So when we were designing this, Ben, Nick, myself, and Nikolai got together with a camera manufacturer and we told them what we wanted. It had to be under 45 pounds and they had to install backpack straps. So that was so that none of our inspectors would go up on a roof without a three-point connection. If I had had a three-point connection, I would not have got blown off that ladder. I would still be healthy. So do not carry one up like this. That's not a good idea. So this is Mike actually climbing and everybody's gonna say, oh, get rid of that ladder. We don't use that ladder on a normal, but we have five ladders in our truck. Sometimes that's the safest ladder we can use. So that was actually the ladder I was carrying under my arm when I got blown off the other ladder. So uh, it basically, when it collapses, made a really great sail. The wind picked it up and I was gone. The backpack straps, we actually made Velcro loops so we can use it to carry that ladder up on the roof too. So now when we leapfrog a roof, we use the same backpack straps we use for our camera to take that ladder up. So if I catch anybody in my company not doing a three-point connection, they get to go home. This is the back of the, the Subtech camera showing the backpack straps. There's actually two clip-on bars that go across that actually give you like the backpack so it's more comfortable. So uh, I actually had applied for the user patent on the backpack straps to the best of my knowledge. And now they were at the Indianapolis show in February. So other companies may have started copying. This is the only company that has backpack straps that I know of. Now here's what I recommend for a home inspector, a self-leveling color camera head. Remember, we're selling a video. A plumber doesn't care what the video looks like. He's trying to find a problem so he can charge you to fix it. We're selling a video. So I don't want the water upside down. I don't want, how come the water's on top of the video? That looks terrible. I want that camera to turn. The other thing is it makes it really easy. I know I took a left turn. I know I took a right turn. When I go out to do a locate, I'm out 60 feet, I've taken three left turns, I know where I am in that yard, my locates take me two minutes. If I'm anywhere in the yard because my water's done this, it takes a lot longer. <coughs> Get a stainless steel camera head. My third inspection, I flooded a camera. I had an aluminum camera head. They do not hold up. 303 stainless is rock hard. 
when you go through an inch and a half or a two inch line, you need to take the skid off. So therefore you have an unprotected camera head. Aluminum, you will distort the lens here. You will have a leak. Again, we talked torpedo. If you look, you can see from here up to here, there's nothing to get stuck on. With this style on here, there's a big ball to get stuck on. You go in, you're not coming back. Also, that half inch offset we talked about, you're gonna bang up against it. With this one, you're not. See this spring. This is what really sets this manufacturer apart from other manufacturers. Most of the others will do this. I get a lot of phone calls, guys say, I can't go through the roof. Cast iron, I can't make that first 90. It's not a gradual sweep, it's a 90. With this, the camera will bend. With a stiff one, it will bang like this. Also, on an offset, this one will buck up with a, with a flexible spring. If you have a hard spring, again, you're gonna bang up. So you need a spring that will do this. The cable here, they upgraded a year and a half ago to a 10 millimeter spring from a nine millimeter or a three eighths. The difference in push is remarkable. Most every manufacturer uses a three eighths or a nine millimeter cable. Makes pushing distances really hard. The 10 millimeter cable still gives you the benefits of going through the smaller lines but it also allows you to push distances much better. We routinely push 140 feet. Now this one here, you can see there's a big offset. Uh, when we're guessing how big it is. Okay, I can see that's a large offset. See where my water is going right now. Now when you push it in, you're pushing with water, but when you're coming back, you come back dry. The water is getting to the top. Well, that's right here. On this camera, that's an inch of water. Whoever's camera you use, you need to know how much water is where. That inch is that magic mark. So if you're using a two-inch camera, it may be half of the screen. But you should always figure that out before you start doing the scopes because that tells you how big or how much water you're holding. These are all the things we want to teach you in the class so that you know, when somebody asks you, how much water was that? You can tell them. We're going to talk to you about backflows. The general rule is if you see a backflow, don't go through because you just lost your camera. Now, if it's PVC or ABS, a lot of times you flush the toilet, that lid will come up. So you can flush the toilet, you'll watch it go forward. About backflows, we had a question on what we do if you run into one, you can't go further. Okay. I guess we have a question about backflows. Now, typically if you come to a backflow, the general procedure is to stop. There's supposed to be a clean out there, but a lot of times it's been buried. If it's exterior of the property and you can't find another way to go through and it's not a plastic backflow, stop. Do not go through, you're gonna get stuck. Recommend clean outs be installed downstream of the backflow. That's what code says now. So you're just recommending to be brought to current standards. If it's plastic or PVC, 
This is what it looks like when you're in it. What I will do is flush the toilet. Now, it's amazing. When you're out 40, 50 feet, it'll take two minutes for that water to get there. So you have time to go in there, flush the toilet, and rush back and look at your camera. <clears throat> if that flap opens up nicely and it's plastic, I'll go through. We teach you in the class how to come back. But remember, that's if it's plastic, ABS or PVC. If you get a cast iron backflow like this, when you go through, it's going to look like this. You're going to see there's this little horizontal line on the top. That is the hinge. You will not come back through that pipe. So this is, again, push nine inches. Coming up to this from a distance, it kind of looks like a 90. Oh, I better push hard to get around this 90. Guess what? You just lost your camera. So all of the little protocol tips we're going to teach you is so that you don't lose your camera. That's $2,500. Not a good day. Once you hit this, your camera's going to be covered with grease. You're not going to see very good from then on. So the tendency is like, oh, let me just kind of jam through this. Boom, you're stuck. You're just done. So go slow. Pay attention. This particular picture right here came from one of my students. It was his third scope. He paid attention. He actually shot me this picture from his phone while he was at the inspection. Jim, is this a backflow? And it's like, yes, it is, Steve. Great job. Don't go through. And uh, so he didn't lose his stuff. Recommended to put a clean out downstream. They did. And then it had the line rescoped. Advice, you know, we're going to cover, but run water. Remember I said run water really low. That way you can see if there's leaks. We turn the water up if needed to get make it out, but we start out with it on low. We bring a funnel. That way we can add water if we're going through a main stack, and that's the, my only place. The other thing we've done is we've made three and four inch cleanouts like this. You cut a groove and you angle with a grinder. That way, we can put this in, and basically we screw it back on by moving our cable up and down, and then I can run water and not leak all over the house, and I can still push. Speaking of cleanouts, you are gonna break, you're gonna damage, you should have the common cleanouts. On Amazon, you can get three inch and three and a half and four inch. Three and a half, sometimes you'll see a floor clean out that's three and a half. It's an odd size. Talk about using grass too. You will not find them at Lowe's, Home Depot, any place like that. So first time you break a three and a half inch, guess what? You can't put things together. What we found out the hard way was you can screw a rubber firm cone in and put a three inch plug on it. Order the right one and then go back and fix it. So guess what? Now we have three and a half inch in our truck, both PVC and ABS. But you're gonna want brass plugs, you're gonna want all sorts of things. So we cover in the class how to take them out, if you damage them, which ones to stay away from, all that kind of stuff. Now, gotta remember, sometimes that clean out's outside. Part of the plumbing codes is there has to be a clean out within 10 foot of the foundation at the base of every stack. 
we're going to teach you where to look because a lot of times it's like, okay, my sewer's going here. That's where the manhole covers are. So we're no going in front of the house. So then you start looking for those exterior cleanouts, and sometimes they're buried. Sometimes they're right at grade. Sometimes they're in the rocks. So if you have a good idea where to look, you have a much better success rate at finding them. When you're doing the skull, if you're in cast iron especially, hair, roots, cracks can look the same. So typically we'll park just upstream and we'll flush the toilet and watch it. If it moves, it's either a root or it's hair. If the crack stays exactly the same, it's crack. Now, sometimes if you're by yourself, you can't get back there in time because a lot of times, like for us, the cast iron's under the floor. We rarely see it out in the yard. Some places you'll see it in the yard all the time. Remember, you parked it there, you flushed, you can watch your video. Did my, my line move? My before, after, is it the same? So you're recording this, you know, you don't have to give all the answers at the inspection. Just tell them, hey, I want to watch this video because there's a couple things I have some questions about. They're going to appreciate you being thorough. They're not going to think it's a problem. They're going to be happy you're doing a really, really good job. Transite and clay, they can look really, really, really similar. Transite or asbestos cement typically has more spalling. If in doubt, though, your job isn't to identify the line, it's to say what the defects are. I put in my report, the line appeared to be transite and or clay. I broke it down to two out of 17. So, you know, that's a much better than not giving any answer whatsoever. Appear, when I teach home inspection courses, it's a great word. You know, I use it a lot. Be careful. When you're pushing that first 10 feet, a lot of times that's where you're going to get stuck, but you have no flex. It's much easier to kink. Typically when you kink a cable, it's in the first 10 feet. Once you've got 10, 15 feet, you push nine inches, there's enough give in that pipe. It's almost impossible to kink a cable if you only push nine inches after you hit that 15 foot mark. So, you know, we teach nine inches, push that nine, push that nine. No manufacturer that I know of guarantees that cable for kinks. If you kink it, you buy it. Flush a toilet, like I say, especially with a flexible spring, it'll help you ride the wave. Stay away from the kitchen waste lines. That grease, like I say, that's nasty. You can't get it clean, so your video is gonna stink, no matter what you do. So. We go through kitchen or the house by the kitchen at our last resort. That's not what we want to do. If you get stuck, don't panic, especially if you have one of these. A lot of times, even when you're down a main stack, you can flush. If you have a flexible spring, it'll do this and get you back. If you have a ball style, you better have a flexible spring. Now, a lot of you might be using rigid. I'm not going to say don't use a camera, do use a camera. Python makes up a, a torpedo skid for the rigid product. It will allow you to come back. They still have a pretty stiff spring, but the skid, I have a lot of students with a rigid, and they say that has helped them immensely not getting stuck. 
So you can typically buy them on eBay, things like that. But they start out with a skid like this, change it to a skid like this. Remember, a plumber doesn't care. If he gets stuck, he's charging you 2,500 bucks to fix it. So we don't want to get stuck. I don't want to pay anybody 2,500 bucks. By taking the course, you get to use the Internashi Certified Sewer Scope Inspector. Uh, and then the red one is ours. If you're not an Internashi member, the red one's the one you get to use. But uh, we hope everybody uh, is smart enough to be Internashi. You had a question about can sewer scope damage pipe that transpired or galvanized? Now we had a question about can sewer scope doing a sewer scope damage the line? Preferably cast iron and galvanized. Cast iron and galvanized, it's not going to damage the line. But what happens is you can get stuck in that damaged cast iron or uh, galvanized line. It's already a problem. So when you come to that problem, if it's galvanized or if it's cast iron, Typically galvanized is only used at one and a half and two inch uh, ancillary lines. So we're focusing more on lateral lines, which would be cast iron. But when you see that pipe broken, stop, document it. You just paid for yourself that you already found a big problem. So you're not the one who's gonna damage the line. You're the one who's gonna find the line. So people might say, oh, you know, you broke the line. It's like, no, you know, don't kill the messenger. I found problem. That's what they, they paid me to do. This is our website. Like I say, you can download the identification guide there. You don't have to take the course to download the identification guide. Understand everything is copyrighted, so you need to leave it alone to have our information on it. But I want you to do a good job. Whether you took my course or not, we're Internashi members for the most part. And we want everybody to do a good job. So we're available as a reference. You know, when you've taken my course, I watch a few videos every week. The guys uh, are just kind of wondering what it is. And, you know, that's what we want to do. So I'm going to give you back to Ben. I'm here to answer any kind of questions, though. Anybody has? Thanks, Jim. Uh, I think Mike has been handling the questions really well. Mike, do, are there any other ones that are outstanding that you think uh, Jim should be answering? Well, we got one. He wants to know if he takes the online class. Can I hand it Right now, somebody asked if they take the uh, the uh, online course if they can get hands on it at a later date. We are going to have this trailer at the convention in October if it happens. At this point, we're still planning on having it, but with the COVID virus, we don't know at all when in-person training is going to happen again. But at any of the conventions, we're going to have this thing live so that people can try out, can do hands-on, things like that. Mike typically runs that, and he will be in the trailer Pretty much from morning till night, teaching people how to use things. So at that, if it's, on, if it's working, then we can. But at this point, we're not making any uh, promises on in-person training because we just don't know when it's going to come back again. Yep. Mike, any others? Anything else, Mike? That's it then.
Well, Jim, I want to thank you very much. I'm going to put up, let's see if I can do this. I'm going to put up your, uh, your URL here so that people can continue asking you questions and uh, keep in contact. That would be awesome. And remember, we're here to help. We really want to see people succeed. I really appreciate it, Jim. And Mike, I appreciate you handling the questions and the chats that were going on all at the same time. That was really good. Thank you very much. And um, it's inspectormentoring.com. And that's for um, mentoring, coaching, and also uh, sewer scope training and a few other things. So thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Mike, appreciate it as well for helping out. And uh, if you ever need uh, Jim's assistance in training and coaching and mentoring, inspectormentoring.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Mike. Thank you very much. See you guys. Stay safe and healthy, everybody. Yeah, everybody stay safe.